Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. A little boy who had never known his parents and had grown up in an orphanage was adopted by a loving father and mother. These parents truly did love this little boy and they wanted nothing but the best for him. So each morning, the mother would pack a lunch for the boy to take to school, and with the lunch she would include just a little note. On Monday, the boy saw the note in his lunch, and it said, I love you. Have a great day. Well, sounds nice, right? He immediately thought, she expects me to have a great day, but I'm not having a very great day. I'm new, everything is hard, but if she's going to love me, I have to have a great day. So when his mom picked him up from school that day and asked him how the day was, he said, I had a great day. He then went on to stretch the truth and invent things that had never happened during the day so that he might please his mom and she would continue to love him. On Tuesday, the boy saw the note in his lunch from his mom, and it said, I love you. Do your best. Immediately, the boy thought, no, that's pressure. She's only going to love me if I do my best, but I feel like I'm failing at everything. And yet, when she picked him up from school that day and asked how his day was, he said, I did my absolute best today. And again, a series of exaggerations and lies followed. On Wednesday, the boy was dreading lunchtime and another note from his mom. But sure enough, there was another note and it said, I love you and hope you're making a lot of new friends at school. Now, truth be told, the boy hadn't made a single friend yet. And at lunchtime, he was sitting there all by himself. No one had chosen to join him, and no one had invited him to join them. And so he began to cry. If his mom found out he hadn't made a single friend, would she still love him? Would she still want him? When his mom picked him up from school that day, he finally couldn't continue on with the lies. When she asked how his day was, he exploded. I'm failing at everything, I'm having a terrible time, I don't have any friends, and now you're going to want to send me away. His mother was stunned. She didn't know what to make of all of this, but little by little by little she learned the story. She learned that this little boy had read right past the words, I love you, and gotten on to the next part, and thought she will love me if. Mom will love me if I do my best, if I'm successful, if I make a lot of friends. And sadly, I think this is the way a lot of people tend to read the Beatitudes. Like the little boy who read right past those words, I love you, and assumed that love must be conditional. It must be that I have to do the next part of this sentence in order for me to be loved. Many people read right past the words in the Beatitudes, right past that phrase, blessed are. People skip right past that and they think, well, okay, okay, if I'm going to be blessed, I have to become poor in spirit. I have to 
mourn. I must become meek. I must hunger and thirst for righteousness. I must be merciful. And then, if I do all of those things, then, then I can be blessed. And in reading the Beatitudes like that, we turn law or gospel into law. They've turned blessing into mandate. But listen again to this. What does Jesus say? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, does Jesus say anything about becoming poor in spirit? Does he lay out, here is how you can become poor in spirit so that you can gain this blessing? Well, no. He simply speaks blessing upon those who are poor in spirit. The Beatitudes are not a series of commands that that Jesus says, here's what you must become, but rather they're a series of blessings. I love the way Bill Geertz explains this. He says, the Beatitudes are not a catalog of Christian virtues in terms of endeavors. Rather, they are a proclamation, an invitation of God. They contain the promise of God's kingdom, a promise that is given to a gathering of people who live in affliction and have a hard time believing that they are children of the kingdom. I think it's helpful for us if we kind of backtrack a little bit in the Gospel of Matthew for seeing what led up to this to better understand what Jesus is doing here. Matthew begins with this genealogy of Jesus, which is important. It's important to have that genealogy because it it shows Jesus really is a descendant of David, really is a descendant of Abraham according to the flesh, but he's also the son of God. But if you look through that genealogy, what do you find? You find a whole bunch of sinners, a whole bunch of poor in spirit people that need a savior. Wise men then come and visit Bethlehem. Now, we get that term wise men because it's been passed down to us from the King James Version, but it's not the best translation of this. Really, these are magi. These are guys that have a lot of things wrong, a lot of misunderstandings about God and the things of God and the kingdom of heaven. They get a lot of things that are not correct, and yet the Lord reveals to them, here is the king, here is the savior that I've sent for you because God is bringing all kinds of poor in spirit people to Jesus. When John the Baptist prepares the way for Jesus, people come from all over the region, and what are they doing? They're confessing their sins. They're not coming to John and saying, well, John, I'm pretty good, and if you could just teach me how to be a little bit better, well, then I can enter the kingdom of God. They're they're coming, and they're confessing their sins and understanding we need a Savior. And John is pointing forward to the Savior. So the when the, when the scribes and the Pharisees show up, they're not looking for a savior. They're not, they're not poor in spirit coming to John and saying, John, we've got nothing. We just need to repent. We need, to, we need God's forgiveness. We need help. The scribes and the Pharisees, they arrive and they're like, well, we're, we're good. <laughs> we don't need any of that stuff. We might, we might need to, a little more instruction on how to become even better. Maybe, maybe, but we're, we're, we're pretty good. We just need to check you out, make sure you're good too. And when, John be, when Jesus begins his ministry, he goes around and he calls sinful men and women to follow him. 
right? Last Sunday, we heard of the, the calling of Peter and Andrew and James and John. They were going to become fishers of men. But the section that comes right before the last words that we heard in the gospel reading last week and the, the, the words that come right before the Beatitudes, right before Matthew chapter 5 in the gospel of Matthew, these really lay out this whole idea of poor in spirit. Listen to this. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction of the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So now you get the, uh, the picture of the motley crew that has now gathered around Jesus. This is not a, a group of people that are like, yeah, we've got our acts together. We've got everything pretty much good. We just might need a little more instruction on how to become a little bit better. No, he, he gathers around these broken people. These people who have all kinds of sin problems, who have all kinds of physical problems, who have all kinds of, uh, well, problems that have been brought about because sin is in the world and they're afflicted by it and they're enduring the consequences of it. But they're looking to Jesus in hope. These are the poor in spirit. Sinners who look to Jesus in hope. People wrecked by sin and the effects of sin who look to Jesus in hope. So when Jesus speaks the words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, they certainly did not skip right past those words, blessed are, and think, I've got to become poor in spirit. <laughs> They're looking to Jesus going, yeah, I know, I know, I know I'm poor in spirit. That's why I'm here, Jesus. And so he says, blessed are are the poor in spirit, and they say, that's us. They had despaired of self-help and thinking they could do some great thing to earn God's favor. But now, now they're hearing God's word of blessing. Blessed are. By the way, that's what that word beatitude means, right? It has nothing to do with be Attitude. I've heard it taught that way before. It's awful. It's the worst. Again, you're turning the gospel into law. You must acquire this attitude and have this, and then you will be blessed. Oh, no. <laughs> Beatitude is blessing. You are blessed, you poor in spirit. That's what Jesus is saying. You poor in spirit folks, you guys who know you need help, who know you don't have it all together, you're blessed. You people who mourn because you see the brokenness of sin all around you, you see the, the impact of sin and how it makes people sick. And you mourn because people you know and love are affected by sickness and even death. You people mourning, you're blessed. The blessing doesn't lie in, in mourning. Or becoming poor in spirit. The blessing is that God has come to save. The blessing is that Emmanuel is here. That he's bringing a new kingdom. The blessing is that in times of brokenness. 
well, these times of brokenness, they're coming to an end. And, and peace and joy and justice and life, all of these things are going to prevail in this new kingdom. And we get a glimpse into this new kingdom as Jesus goes about healing the sick, driving out demons, forgiving sins, restoring things to how they should be. Just as he did at the end of chapter 4. This is just a, this is your sneak preview. <laughs> this is your coming attractions. Here's what's going to be for everybody, poor in spirit, looking to Jesus in hope. You see how it is for these folks right now, how they're being restored? That's what it will be. That's how it's going to be. So now, listen to the words of Jesus. You who are poor in spirit. You who know you need help. You're blessed. Because Jesus has come as Savior for people exactly like you. In fact, he's specifically come for you. Hear the words of Jesus. You who mourn. You who mourn tragedy that happens around you. Who mourn the impact of sin on our bodies and our relationships and our world. You're blessed because Jesus has come and he's coming again. He's overthrown sin, death, and Satan. And when he comes again, he's going to make all things new. Blessed are. Blessed are. Blessed are. Jesus does not say, blessed are you if. He says, blessed are you. So don't skip past those words. Don't skip to the end and assume you must be required to do something to gain this blessing. But hear the words of Jesus for you. These wonderful gospel words of blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are you. Blessed are you because of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I mean, the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.